0: Welcome back to Hand on the Line Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Boggs, and this is episode 11. Almost didn't get to do it. I've had a goal of just wrote or filming these uh, podcasts every week, and so much stuff went wrong this week. Kids sick, my voice was gone, uh, the schools taking the kids out, said they need a negative test, give them a negative test, they said they need a newer one, all kinds of crazy stuff. I reserve my opinions on the, uh, I guess, the laws of the kids' school because I don't try to understand them. It doesn't make sense, but whatever. So... Uh, this week, I, uh, I've i been going through a archive dive of Hicks and Gracie. So, been in martial arts for like a few years. Uh, let me think. If you count boxing and things like that, maybe like a decade of it. But let's say most um, intense and into it the last five years. And specifically Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And he goes on Joe Rogan. Awesome episode. Trust me, check it out, and he's talking about a bunch of stuff that I have come across over the last, you know, five to ten years while playing, as far as, uh, just to briefly talk about breathing techniques, cold exposure, sauna, stuff like that, and he's talking about these in the Joe Rogan uh, episode. He's done these years ago. He was also on Jocko Willis' podcast. Just awesome. So, got his book. It's read all the way through. It's not LeBron. i got, got every got every chapter, and there's highlights. There's dog, or what do they call it, dog ear to pages. And it's an awesome book. So uh, I think that's just what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about my experience of why and how I came about to, uh, doing different types of exposures. I'm not going to get into the science because it's not why I did them. I think, like, this, the, the good science of, like, doing cold, exposure and saunas, cold exposure, just like cold tubs, cold showers. Uh, Those are positive side effects that it had, but I'm not a scientist. You know me. I don't know Dick. We'll just talk about why I did it, how it helped me mentally, how it helped me perform, and just, you know, kind of my evolution with these uh, different types of things and how maybe that ties into football, how it ties into why I think jiu-jitsu is a a very good sport for pretty much everybody. So – I, I talk about this all the time. Um, I didn't know what anxiety was until I was, like, damn near 30. I just thought that was butterflies. I say it again. I'm going to sound like a broken record. You get that first hit in, the butterflies are gone. Yeah, I don't think about that. I think, like, the butterflies for me were, like, a good thing. It means, oh, I love football because I was getting them in high school all day going up to the game. And it just meant, like, hey, you love it. You know what I mean? It's like you get a giddy feeling over a girl. You love them. You get some butterflies, whatever. Well, I had those with football. So I think it was going into 2015 season. We just finished OTAs. Um, I won't, I'll try to leave names out of this. So I had a training partner. We played on the same team. Uh, And this was my first year having to play guard. Prior to that, I was a backup center in Chicago for two years. I would dress and the other backup, you know, they would dress seven, five starters. And the other backup just played all four. You know, he played left tackle, right tackle, left guard, right guard. I played center. And uh, that was very unusual. Now it's normal because you dress eight. So people dress the true center. So I was born too uh, too early. But anyways, when I went to Detroit in 2015, I was going to have to learn how to play guard. And the O-line coach, he called me. He talked to a bunch of coaches about me, even former players. And he was, like, excited. He was like, hey, you're a camp body, but I'm rooting for you. Camp body meaning, like, Long shot, which is cool. That's all I've ever been. And uh, he goes, just know I talked to Cromer. That was my line coach in uh, Chicago. He said, you never play guard. You're going to have to play guard here. So prior to OTAs, I started working on guard. You know, And I'm working on guard versus air. And once you get there, like I said, punching a heavy bag is not the same as sparring or fighting. So I'm going on air, and all of a sudden I go against Haloti Nada. And they had just signed him, and he had more lean mass than I had total mass. Imagine that. I was like 290, 285, 290. He had 290 pounds of lean mass. It doesn't include the fat. And I was like, okay, I got to block this animal. Nice guy, though. Good guy. Um, I got to block this guy. I go take the guard reps. They look terrible. But over OTAs, they got worked out. Larry Warford was there, and that guy's a genius, like from a – understanding your body, understanding movement, understanding online play, even instruments, I don't care. I think he's a genius. He probably just operates on a different level than most people. And he was able to help me out a lot. Well, anyways, this is where I learned what freaking anxiety was. It wasn't Haloti Nana. He was a nice guy. He would beat you with a smile and tell you, and coach you up. That's the kind of guy he was. Uh, Just awesome. When I got back, so weird, playing games at telephone. Uh, one guy knew a teammate that I had, uh, one of the teammates on my new team in Detroit. He texted him like, hey, how's Boggs doing O.T. during OTAs? He was like, okay, but he's got to learn how to play guard. And I didn't think anything of it. I read it. I'm cool with the guy that said that. He was right. I had to learn how to play guard. I'd never done it. Uh, I was trying to get, you know, gain weight. I was drinking meat shakes to put some weight on to be able to, you know, I didn't look at it like, hey, I had to be great at guard. I had to be able to be a backup at guard and, and look like a starter at center. That's kind of how my mindset was. And then I was like, the next year I'll, I'll look like a starter at guard. You know, I had to give it time. Um, so he said that. And I remember I was like, oh, I kind of laughed. I was like, yeah, okay. And I told my trainer. And he was like, and? I was like, okay, and? Like, you know, he said it with a little attitude. No big deal. And, like, we walk away. So my trainer didn't. Text me that evening. He goes, yo, why do you care about what such and such says, says about you anyways? I said, what are you talking about? He was like, I was like, I don't care what he said. I, don't, I still don't think I care what he said. I was kind of just acknowledging what he said. And he was like, you wouldn't have brought it up, da-da-da-da, and goes off on me. And then I was like, oh, okay. He's right. I, first off, I think, like, there's, a, there's, a, there's some merit to not caring what, about what people say. But I also think, like, only a true sociopath and narcissist could truly not care about what people say. Like, words got to hurt a little bit. Words got to affect you a little bit. Words got to hold you accountable a little bit. You know what I mean? Maybe I don't care about what Twitter says about me after a game. But uh, maybe I care about what my friends or teammates or coaches say about me after the game, right? You got to care to a degree unless you're just a plain psycho. Anyways, so he starts just going off on me. And then he starts bringing up anxiety. He was like, this anxiety is going to be the death of your career. And I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I'm dead serious. I don't know what anxiety is. This anxiety is going to be the death of you. The sad part is you have more people helping you than anyone, da, 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 da. I think that's true. I had a lot of people along my journey helping me. You know, my O-line coach in college, strength coach, you know, a couple of coaches in high school, all my friends, my family, whatever. I had a ton of people helping me. I think everyone that's had any success on a journey, anything, people get help. It's just how it goes. No one does anything by themselves. And uh, like the self-made term. I'm not I'm not a big believer in uh, that self-made thing. I, you know, you, you gotta give your props to the people that you know at least guided you, mentored you, helped you along the way. Well, anyways, he's saying this and he's like kept going on. The anxiety's gonna be the end of your career, and it's gonna be the saddest part is that you let something that you could control end you. And dude, I did not know. What the hell he was talking about? Not like the part of caring what people say, the anxiety part. I just could not wrap my head around what that was. So I just started googling, and then this is why I always talk about. You know, there's kind of a a stigma attached to to the anxiety now. It's not all bad, you know. It kind of protects you, kind of guides you. For me, it. it you know, if we're talking about anxiety in the sense, anxiety was great for me. It, anxiety gave me. Uh, accountability anxiety gave me a uh, drive you know what I mean instead of eating ice cream on the weekends I was eating you know rice and vegetables and steak and uh, I wanted to have ice cream but I didn't you know because like that kind of anxiety like that fear almost of not not achieving my goal so anxiety kept me in the gym it kept me in shabooms when it was 120 in the garage you know what I mean so I talk about that stigma that got developed, but that's based on my experience. And, uh, and then also communicating that with other players and, and uh, high school kids even is that once they were – the anxiety and stuff like mental health was brought to their attention, it actually freaked them out more. Now, I'm not saying, like, you could go back and listen to my episodes with Dr. Looney uh, where we go in deeper on anxiety. Like, yeah, it, it, you know, it, it's, it can be really bad. But it also is kind of a guide for a lot of people. Like having a little anxiety is normal. It's what keeps you safe. And in my case it also what which guided my, you know, my path to to reaching goals. So yeah, so I'm researching stuff and in that time in like two thousand fifteen, I think C B D was all the rage. I don't smoke. I'm not I don't I'm not a weed guy, I don't give a damn. I'm anti prohibition, but I haven't smoked since high school. It's not my thing. But uh so, so CBD is everyone's talking about. I found a bunch of podcasts on CBD because I'm looking up anxiety. And this is how it says to get rid of anxiety. And uh, that's where I come across CBD. And it is all the rage. And I remember calling the trainer for the team and saying, hey, is CBD a banned substance? No, 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 you're good, but you have to be careful because it can have THC in it. Then I said, well, I already had a THC test. Well, he was like, well, you're good till next April. You know, that's what the trainer told me. So I, I'm, this is all within like one week. I'm just freaking out thinking I got anxiety and it's going to be the end of my career. You know what I mean? I was told that. And as I'm reading what anxiety is, I'm like, shoot, man, I'm messed up. How can I perform with this crap? I'm, I'm leaving so much on the table. So I uh, don't know how to go about CBD. As I'm researching CBD, I find there's a ton of fake CBD products out here. I heard it on a podcast. So I hit up my brother who at the time had a cannabis shop in California. And he goes, you know, he's a doctor. He smoked weed since he was uh, in high school. So he's a doctor about cannabis, right, like most, most people are. He's like, well, is good, but you need the whole flower. I'm like, no, 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 I don't smoke. I want the CBD. So after, like, you know, him educating me about the cannabis, I get, he gets me some CBD, and it comes, like, in a vape. You won't test positive for it because there's no THC. I smoke it. I don't notice a thing. I don't notice crap. Uh, it kind of like, if you remember like Nate Diaz after he fought Conor McGregor in 2016, he's smoking a pen. Well, it was, it was just like that. A CBD pen. I don't notice nothing. I don't notice anything. So the point was, is like, I probably didn't have, or not probably, I didn't have anxiety. But there was like, it got in my head. That conversation with my trainer got in my head. So there was nothing for like, there was no change or return to homeostasis or whatever. You know, because CBD is kind of like an adaptogen. There was no change for me to feel because there was nothing really wrong with me. I was just getting inside my own head. only thing wrong with me is I was, was listening to the trainer, to be quite frank, right? But uh, not, not that his intentions were bad. His intentions were good. You know, he just didn't want me to have anxiety. In the meantime, he gave me a stigma about it, and I learned what anxiety was. So after I'm like, okay, this CBD, this shit don't work. And I'm not saying I'm not a doctor. Like I said, I don't know dick. The CBD has helped a lot of people. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with me. Well, so, you know, I, I keep going down this rabbit hole. I got like five weeks till training camp. You know what I mean? Because this this is right when we got back from OTA. So I got to figure this out. I got to get to the bottom of this anxiety. Because I got five weeks to training camp. I can't possibly perform in training camp at guard with anxiety. So I start coming across this guy. He's nuts. He has an accent. He's jumping into cold tubs. He's jumping into like lakes and rivers. Has all these world records. I could barely understand him. He's doing yoga, It's swim Hof. and he's doing these these uh, hyperventilation techniques. So I'm like, man, and he, what caught me was this: is he was talking about his wife committing suicide, and uh, and then he was talking about fear, and he was saying he has no fear. But he has, but he respects fear. So it's like, his fear like, maybe his kids would commit suicide like his wife. But he was saying, but I respect that, but I'm not afraid because she's like, I know how to handle it. And he was saying like, you know, he could handle a breath and I'm I'm like, I'm a little skeptical but I liked how crazy and eccentric he was because I'm like, you know, I could, you know, it was relatable. You know what I mean? Like football players, they're nuts, they're eccentric, you know what I mean? It, It was fitting. And, uh, so he's talking about this. And then he said, after his wife died, he was just sad. He was staring at a, like sitting in the, like a, in the I can't remember, I think he's from one of the Nordic countries. It's been a while. I got a books on him. I did his class, whatever. During that five weeks, by the way. So he's sitting, after his wife died, he was sitting looking at like a stream that's basically freezing, the temperature-wise, but it's running water. And he's in the snow, and something just told him to jump in. So he jumps in, and he starts hyperventilating. He goes in, <gasps> takes his big breath in, and blows out, you know what I mean? Like anyone would. Like you might do it with just a cold shower, you know what I mean? Or any kind of cold water thrown at you. So he said that happened, and then he just kind of was able to calm himself down. And uh, he basically how he was explaining it, I'd have to go back and watch these episodes. I don't know how I would find these down my 2000 or July two thousand fifteen YouTube rabbit hole. But um, you know, basically he was saying he could control the anxiety that he was feeling. Like he was freaking out about to hyperventilate and he found a way to control it. And he was just like he was fine. He's sitting in freezing water and he was fine. So to me I was like, man, that seems that seems more like right up my alley. Now I don't I'm thinking I have anxiety. I've, everything I've always been is the process. You want to get stronger, you go train for weeks. It's about consistency. It's not about a magic pill. You know what I mean? It's not like and that's steroids. You don't take steroids. You get your ass in there, and consistently work for weeks, months, and years, and that's how you get stronger, right? So for anxiety, like I, or anything I do, it's kind of how I. It, it makes more sense to me. Need to be a process. Processes are hard. You know what I mean? Like it takes growing. It takes development you get nicked up along the way you got to adjust you got to adapt that's to me like the road to growth that's the road to development anything that's the road to goals so me taking a hit out of a cbd vape which was uncomfortable for me uh it just seemed like the easy way you know what i mean so i didn't necessarily know if the guy was full of shit or not he sounded crazy but i liked him i was drawn to him but it sounded like a process like oh shoot Waking up doing these breathing techniques and uh, jumping in cold tubs. Okay, now we're talking about a process. Now we're talking about some discomfort. You know what I mean? Maybe I'll get better from that, right? So, anyways, I start, I go two feet in. I I get his course. I start doing his breathing courses or breathing things. I do his yoga, you know, first thing in the morning. I think my wife probably thought I was nuts doing this hyperventilating. My son was just, you know, a few months old at the time. He probably thinks I'm nuts now. I don't know what he was thinking then. Uh, and I was cruising, and they had this cold exposure. So prior to that, like in college, I used to take the, the cold tub, waist down, get the knees and get the ankles, get the shins. You're good to go, right? Everything's good. So there was a book that came out called Iced, uh, and, and a couple of physical therapists I liked, they were really against ice. And Basically, it was saying it actually impedes the progress of recovery, so I stopped icing. Okay, I stopped icing in 2010. I had an ACL surgery, I didn't ice you know, unless I was at the PT clinic where they iced. When I was at home, I was putting heat on it. I'm not a doctor, do not listen to me. This is just what I did. Okay, I did come back from ACL surgery in less than five months, but it's don't, it, it wasn't the ice thing, so, anyways, like, uh. So, I, now we're, this is, 2000, I haven't been in ice in five years. Like, when a trainer would put ice on me for an injury, I'd take it off. You know what I mean? Because I did. I, I believed it made me stiffer, blah, 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 blah. What he was using ice for, these ice baths was something different. It was for anxiety. It was for discomfort. It was for finding a way to get uncomfortable and to, you know, reach homeostasis. It's kind of like the idea of, like, you're given a stressor. And you're given a response. So if you go in a cold tub, your response is going to be like, <laughs> you're going to hyperventilate, right? Well, what we're looking for is you got a choice to that response. So you'd want to go in that cold tub, and it, and it does nothing. And you do nothing, right? Well, that took practice. So I did what any normal human being would do. I bought a deep freezer. I sealed it up. I filled it with water and plugged it in and let that thing get to, like, uh, 36 degrees, because that's what he said he did, and I unplugged it and went in when it got to 36 degrees, and the first thing I did was start freaking out, so that was like my first ice bath in five years, but it wasn't like how I did it in college, just the legs in college, just neck down, hands, everything, I start hyperventilating, (laughs) I gotta get out, screw this, it's too much, right? So, but that was like my introduction to this exposure, and my bad, I'm going on this, this is Hicks and Gracie talks about this in his book. He talks about this in his podcast. He would actually go under, and this is prior to William Hoff. He would go under cold water with a snorkel. He wanted everything. and he, and he Basically, his reasoning, what he did was stay in there until he uh, could get comfortable again. So once he was calmed down, he was good. He wasn't trying to get, you know what I mean, like a five-minute ice bath to recover a joint. It was, it was all this upstairs. It was, it was his head. It was for anxiety it was for fear. It was to be able to dance with this these vulnerable situations and decide, "Hey, I'm fine. You know what? I'm fucking okay." And then just be sitting there chilling. He did a lot of stuff. Like he wrapped himself up in a rug and he would stay there for like 10 minutes because he was used to get freak out about getting choked out. You know what I mean? So he did things like that. Um these things to put him in uncomfortable situations. He was way ahead of his time, right? I I you know, this is 2015 when I my first time trying it. So, anyways, um, so the, the first time I go in there, I freaked out. I jumped out. I was like, "Oh hell no!" So now I'm, you know, I'm into this Wim Hof thing for like three weeks, right, or two weeks. I got three weeks left till camp, and I start going down other rabbit holes about breathing. I come across this guy Brian McKenzie. Uh, he was like a big CrossFit guy, Him and Kelly Star are real cool, and he's got all these breathing patterns. All through the nose, slow exhales, and he's using these to control your central nervous system—the uh, parasympathetic, sympathetic. I'm not trying to get this doctor talking, but your parasympathetic is you're like you're relaxed, you know what I mean. You're getting ready for bed. You're, you're you know what I mean, and the sympathetic is the arousal, right? So he was talking about you could control it through your breath. It just took me down these crazy rabbit holes during that that break. So I'm learning all about breathing. And uh, so I kind of have a better idea, okay, how can I tackle this cold tub? And when I learned more about the breath work and, you know, slow exhales and stuff like that, I was really shocked. Like, man, I'm really controlling my physiology through breath. It sounds crazy, but I could go in this cold tub after just, you know, four days of learning more about uh, the breath as it pertains to like imminent threats whether it be cold exposure or something that freaks you out uh and i was fine so like the first day i go in there i'm freaked out i'm in there for 10 seconds and the next thing you know i'm in there for five minutes now i could go 20 minutes and i'm completely fine uh my heart rate may get really low but it's crazy so this uh The the breathing was just profound. I mean, he does a bunch of breathing. If you're looking at YouTube, you look at his, like, diaphragm. It's sucked in all crazy. He does some crazy breathing stuff. You can look him up on the movie Choke. There's a documentary called Choke, and it's from, like, the 90s. And it's, like, his journey to doing these fights that were similar to UFC. uh, But he was overseas. Anyways, so that was my introduction. That was my why. So, like, why I started a... I guess my my introduction to anxiety, okay? It wasn't. It, it was basically a stigma. So I always talk about it like it's a stigma, and you may think I don't take anxiety serious. I absolutely do. I think it could be bad, but I think some of it should just be like, hey, it is what it is. So, because of that stigma, I started going through all these exposure. So, talk about how this kind of helped me out. I don't know, and um, I don't. I can't put a. You know, I can't put a finger on it. How did that like help me out in that training camp? I made the 53 I played guard the whole time. I can't just simply say it was because I got rid of my anxiety because I do these breathing techniques and I did this cold exposure. I think I truly believe that shifted my mindset. It shifted fear for me. It, it, it made me think like, hey, I can manage these things. like I am in control of my feeling. I'm in control of my fear. I'm in control of my physiology. So it definitely contributed. And that was just a short amount of time. So um, after that offseason, I just kept going deeper and deeper. I, I, I might have got away from it after Detroit. But since then, you know what I mean, I've gone pretty far with these different exposures. So the next thing was like that was all the rage was the sauna and not like the uh, infrared saunas the Finnish-style saunas where you throw the water on the rocks. And it's the same thing. It's very uncomfortable. It has a ton of health benefits. I'm not getting into that. I think if you want to learn the health benefits of cold exposure and um, the saunas, Dr. Rhonda Patrick is a great resource. She's all over Joe Rogan. I don't care about that. It's, It's good to know that there's a healthy side effect for me. It's not why I utilize these exposures. I'll get more into, like, how i conceptualize it. i'll just tell more story about this so anyways the next thing i did after that season with the uh detroit was i actually got the sauna and uh now like i I'm, I'm aware of anxiety to a degree but i'm like oh it's something you control with your breath this is something the yogis have talked about it's something you control with cold exposure and now i'm like oh i got the next element i got the heat exposure so i got the sauna it gets up to 200 degrees well all the maniacs on youtube and Instagram that were talking about cold exposure and breath exposure and type of, like, Wim Hof type eccentric people. They had, like, I think uh, Laird Hamilton comes to mind, Brian McKenzie. I think Kelly Starrett, a lot of these guys, Joe Rogan. They got this thing over 200 degrees. So I'm like, okay, I get this sauna. I pump this bad boy up 200 degrees. And I'm like, I'm going to go 20 minutes. It's nothing. I get in that thing. I feel claustrophobic within, like, 10 minutes. I'm out. I'm out. I couldn't do the breathing in there. You breathe nasally, it, oh, it burns. it like a five-second inhale, it just burns down to your brain. Couldn't do it. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm freaked out in there. I found something that's making me go, the <laughs> hyperventilate. And I'm not realizing how to mitigate it. So I kind of had to research some more. The breathing has to be very light. Maybe you inhale through the mouth and exhale slowly through the mouth. Um, through the nose, right? So for me, whatever reason this works for me, if I start panicking, if if a workout's real hard and I need to recover, if uh, I'm in a cold tub or if I'm in a sauna, or if I just want to start my day right, I do this breath pattern. I think they're all different. Everyone's going to be different, but I go five-second inhale and 10-second exhale. And I'll do that for like 10 rounds, and it's like a good reset. I might do it in the middle of the day. Sometimes I do it before bed. I don't I'm not going to get into the physiology about it and the science. It just feels good for me. It resets me. And when I'm in, like, a vulnerable position, like a cold tub or a hot tub, it does wonders. So that's how I, I conquered the sauna. So now I'm like, dude, I there was I don't know if it was, like, I always battle with this part. And was I adapting or was I getting better at suffering, right? Or was I just getting better at deciding you know what I mean? At choosing my response. So I don't know. It's somewhere one of those three things, maybe all of them. Maybe I've adapted, maybe I've gotten better at choosing my response, and maybe I'm just better at suffering. I'm fine with all those because I think those can carry over to sports, to football, to life, right? You should be able to adapt. You should be able to choose your response to a to a stressor or a demand of life. And sometimes you gotta suffer and you know what I mean? And manage it. Some we're all gonna suffer and you gotta be able to get better at it. So when I, I think of these things, the sauna and cold tub and the breathwork—they've made—they, you know, now we're going on six, seven years, two thousand fifteen. So we're we're at six years of me, kind of utilizing these exposures to, kind of set the tone for my day. So kind of here's, here's been my routine. I remember um, after football, I was just real concerned because of football. I had this. Um, you know what I mean? You have this vulnerable situation. You have this discomfort that you get to fight through and you come back stronger from where it makes you seem like nothing else can fuck with you. You know what I mean? Like, hey, uh, I just made a 53, and it was hard, and I was a camp body, and I started as a third-team center, and I got moved to the second-team swing guy. Uh, it, there's little that can message you after that. And I was concerned after football that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have – I wouldn't have that kind of mental resilient gift that, you know, Dr. Looney talks about. So if you think of, like, us as hunter-gatherers, or just if you just think of the evolution of humans, our body is, like, set up to have, like, a crazy stressor happen. So, some, you know, maybe you're chased by wolf. I don't know what continent you're on. I'm going to say I'm from here. Well, I don't know what wild animals they have in, uh, like, Italy and Lithuania. Maybe it's wolves. So maybe I was chased by a wolf. Uh, and I'd have to come down from that. I think you know I, I survived. I gotta, I gotta, uh, you know, become more par- uh, parasympathetic, right? And with my nervous system relaxed, because I still got stuff to do. I still got hunter gathering stuff to do. So those crazy big responses, or let's call them big stressors, what they would ultimately do is, when you overcome those, it makes the little things, the little stressors and little demands of life not seem so big. So you don't really care. It's like if I can handle getting chased by a wolf and I'm able to overcome that, maybe like a fist fight with, a, with someone else, it doesn't seem so big. You know what I mean? It's not that big of a deal because it's been offset. I've learned how to balance the stressors in my life because they're there. Now the little things don't seem big, and I'm able to balance those. It's like there was a book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. I understood like nine words in there. I read it twice, once once I audio, and once once I read it, and once I listen to audio. I still like seven words, maybe nine to seconds, I guess 16 words. But in a, in a nutshell, is this. Zebras don't get ulcers because they get chased by a lion, they get away, and they stop thinking about it, and they go about their shit. Where a human, when we have something happen to us, we think about that all day. We wake up thinking about it. It keeps us up at night, and we develop an ulcer. That's like the gist of it. And if you think about like the things that you see people stress about or that you say you've dealt with anxiety or stress before and you overcome it, most of the time you're like, man, that was stupid. I was just over what, I, I was overthinking it or I can't believe I made such a big deal out, out of it. So that was the point. So evolutionary from an evolutionary standpoint, we'd have big things that would just offset the little things. Well today is different. You know what I mean? In the summer, you got your house at 69 degrees. It's 120 outside. Well, you eliminated that stressor, right? You're walking to your car when it's 120 outside. You're starting to AC from your phone in your car, right? You got room temperature. Your shower's hot when you want it. You know what I mean? You got cool drinks in the fridge. We've taken away like a lot of the environmental stressors that would help us adapt and, you know what I mean, be more adaptable to little things. So... And uh, when I played football, football was my big thing, right? That it made the little things not matter. Now, like after football, I was concerned. Like I just freak about, freak out about everything. You know what I mean? My son, oh, he, he scratched his eye. I freak about, freak out about it all night. He won't be able to see, or he's gonna have a scar. He's not gonna look the same. I just start freaking out. It's because there was nothing else. There was nothing else big for me. So when I got back into my exposures, I, I realized it. Is that's what? That's what like a daily dose of cold tub or sauna and being able to really, like, hey, put yourself in a vulnerable situation. Like in a cold tub, I would walk up 5 in the morning, go full body in, head under, hold my breath for 30 seconds, whatever, and come up and then stay in there for five more minutes. You want to hyperventilate, yet I'm breathing slowly. I'm controlling my response. I'm fine. Well, It makes the next thing coming up that day easier. I can't be fucked with as much. It's gonna take more to take me out of my game because I've just been able to adapt to this bigger stressor. The same thing, sauna. It's 120, or I mean 200 degrees in here. I wanna get out, but let me, let me just breathe through this. Do I really feel bad? Let me take some deep breaths or some uh, slow exhales. You know what, I, I, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm choosing to be here. I'm, you, you know, I'm, I'm in control of my response. I'm not freaked out, right? It's my choice, and I'm, I'm I'm better for it. But it still wasn't uh it wasn't quite enough. Like I found myself stressing out about things. I found myself stressing out about my boss a little more, um, because I I didn't have that, you know, that big discomfort. Which so when I think about it, honestly, I love football with all my heart. I would go do it right now, but uh, it was uncomfortable, and I lived for that shit though. I fucking lived for that so i was talking to my doctor i was like you know i feel off he's like let's do some blood work get blood work i'm 30 what 32 and uh he goes you got i have low testosterone he's like you have testosterone like a prepubescent teenager i was like boy or girl he goes doesn't matter it's not good and i'm like I'm not about to go on testosterone replacement therapy. And my doctor goes just like this, took the words out of my mouth. He goes, I'm not about to put you on TRT. You're 32 years old. You're an athlete. You're healthy. He's like, what are we missing? So we're talking. He recommends, like, are you boxing? Because I used to box in the off-season and stuff like that. I'm like, no, not. He goes, why don't you try jujitsu? And I'm like, I could do that. I've done a couple classes, right? He goes, go try Brazilian jujitsu. You'll be around guys. You'll be choked out. You'll shake their hands. And he goes, "It'll be great." what he said, just like that, it'll be great. You'll get choked out. You'll shake their hands. It'll be great. So I was like, "You're right." Next day, I go to jujitsu. Actually, you no. Know, the next day it was a it was a holiday. It was a uh, so that was like I had a Friday appointment with him. So we had the weekend. So Monday, I I find a class I'm gonna go to. Walk-ins. So I fill in the waiver. They were closed. It was a holiday on Monday. So I started Tuesday. And uh, I got choked. I, I remember there's this guy Ben, black belt at the t- He's a black belt now. At the time, he's a purple belt. Big black dude, firefighter. And I was tapping out to things that he was like, "I'm not doing anything." I was freaked out. I was hyperventilating, Jack. Just, just messed up. Just like I did in the cold tub. Just like I did in the sauna. Just like I did in this uncomfortable situation. And I'm tapping out. And he's like, "Hey man, control your breathing." And I'm like, "Oh, I knew that. I knew that, but I couldn't do it here." So i go like, man, I'll be back the next day. I done tapped out 10 times. And I felt, I, I was so defeated, I felt alive. So anyways, that discomfort and bringing in that breathing that I actually was very well versed in. I'd been to seminars on it. I'd read books on it. I done the, did the Wim Hof classes. I'd done this cold exposure, hot exposure. So six weeks later, I go back after doing jiu-jitsu, which that was the discomfort I needed at that time. I'll go get my blood work done. I'm a new man, amazing. Didn't change my diet, didn't take supplements, changed nothing, six weeks of jiu I'm a man again, not a prepubescent child. So when I, that's why I love these uh, exposures and I love things like jiu-jitsu because they're very uncomfortable and they're very, it's, it's just like a solid dose of humility. When you go to something like jiu-jitsu, the ice is cool, right? I could just get out of that. The sauna, I just opened the door. I love those. Freaking love them. But the the jiu-jitsu, there's the competition. It's like, hey, he's got my back. He could, you know, technically he could take my life, right? He's not going to do it. He's not a dick. And I'm going to tap and hopefully he lets go. But then he can take my life. And I gotta calm down. I gotta find a way out of the situation. And if I do get choked out, I shake his hand, just like my doctor said, and we keep going. And that discomfort comes with a ton of gifts. So those are kind of things that like are just mainstays for me now. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about them. And, and, and now I'm like even going even more intense with them again like how I used to after the Hicks and Gracie uh, podcast and reading this book but like they've done wonders for me things like being uncomfortable and then finding a way to you know mitigate the response or stop that that stress response that parasympathetic response and being, you know being able to be real mindful and uh you know control your physiology ultimately so like even when i was like working at my uh, old job i remember it, every day Every freaking day. It doesn't. It doesn't matter where it was. But my coworkers, they were. They every day they'd be you know crying like maybe even in tears. But they were having bad days. The boss did this. They don't feel valued. Or he they were said this, and we were all being told the same thing, but it didn't affect me like it did them. I remember like thinking maybe they just care more than. Because I felt like maybe in football, it would have affected me more. But I was like, maybe they just ultimately care more than me, that they're so down and out. But I don't I don't believe that was the case. Like, I care I care about how well my work is and stuff like that. Um, I take pride in that. Ultimately, what was going on is that when I stopped playing football, this is how my day would start. I would get up, and I will get up early. Because I was going to 6 a.m. jiu-jitsu, to do that before work and i just kind of felt like my day was more productive after going to jiu-jitsu at 6 a.m so i'd wake up i'd go in the cold tub like at 4 50 a.m and i'd go head under come out and sit there and i do you know the, like i said the inhale for five seconds exhale for 10 seconds and i do that for 10 rounds so it takes do the math it takes two and a half minutes right and then i'm out i dry off i have a coffee have some hydration stuff I go to jiu-jitsu. So that's how I started my day. I'm talking about 5 a.m. From 6 a.m. to 7.30, I'm in jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu, I'm getting choked out, getting armbarred, doing it to other guys, tapping, shaking hands, all kinds of stuff, being real vulnerable and not freaking out. So then I go to work. It didn't really matter what anyone was saying. Like if the If the boss was cussing everyone out, I could not be fucked with. Because, like I said, just like how when I got in the cold tub the first time, <laughs> I'd hyperventilate. Well, once I learned that I have a choice to the response that my body wants to do under that stress, that changed, it changed everything for me in regard to the cold tub. Same with the sauna. And same with getting choked out. But what happened was that it started bleeding over to my everyday life. So small sample size, but my former colleague's they're getting told the same thing I was, and they'd be just done. They'd tell me, like, I'm emotionally spent. They'd say things like this. I'm just emotionally done. Uh, just pray for me and stuff like that, and I would be fine. And it was the fact that I think that their, that was their only discomfort in life was that job. That was, like, only one of my one part of my discomfort to the point where it couldn't mess with me. So, I do value. Um, I but that that's the thing is like I, I kind of struggle with is can I get away from these things, and for me like right now currently where I am, I don't think so. Like can I can I uh, not use cold exposures, not use hot tubs, not use jiu and be fine? I'm sure I could, but I wouldn't be able to operate as effectively as I do. Because like on a day in, day out basis, because it's those big events of stress that make the little shit just seem like little shit. It doesn't have to affect me. I'm am I'm gonna choose. I'm I'm choosing what affects me, right? Um, and and I, I kind of grasped that strongly, because because of, of my old place of work. Just seeing how my employees or not employees. I wasn't the boss. Seeing how my colleagues would just be down and out, tears. Pray for me. I'm emotionally spent. Oh, it's only getting worse. Da, 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 da. And I'd be like the shoulder to lean on. And, and it, it, the only part that messed with my head was, dude, do you not care? And, and I, when I realized, like, no, that's not true. You care about, you always taking pride and ownership in your work. It was the fact that I had this great offset while, you know, they're coming into work and maybe dreading it. Just not on my mind. Because I'm while I'm waking up, they're dreading going to work. I'm waking up, I'm coming out of a cold tub. It's not a, it's not even it's not what I'm worried about right now. You know what I mean? It's the zebra. They were the zebras, right? Where they got chased by that lion and they thought about it all day. They developed an ulcer. Well, that wasn't my lion. The cold tub was probably my lion. And after that, everything was small. The the guy choking me. That was my lion. So I put myself in these situations that I think that, uh, from an evolutionary standpoint, not to overuse that word, and I'm probably not qualified to use that word, I put myself in a position where evolutionary, I think I'd have a similar stressor. You know what I mean? I deal with in- extreme weather. Not this room temperature 69 or what. It's 69 degrees in here right now. It's 120 out there. You know what I mean? That. I'm not building, like, a robust response to stress by always living in that comfort. But I could could seek this comfort. 120 out there is nothing compared to 220 in the sauna. You know what I mean? Or I'm going to experience a cold front every morning I wake up. It's 36-degree cold tub. 36 degrees. There's my lion. You know what I mean? I go to jiu-jitsu. I'm choked out. There's my lion. What next? Bring it on. I'm ready. You know what I mean? I have nothing, I'm not worried about that all day, because I'm resetting it with these stressors that I'm adapting to, now, uh, if you want to get into the science of that, those are some books i recommend, first off, I recommend, I think it's Breathe, by Hickson Gracie, uh, I'm look to Wim Hof, he's got a good website, he's got a good, uh, Instagram, Look into looking to Wim Hof, you know, that's a good starting place, but, uh, If you want, like, the real sciencey stuff, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, great book. If you can understand more words than me, my hat's off to you. But to the gist of it, it's, look, the zebra's not getting ulcers all day because after it gets chased by a lion, it's not stressing about it all day. It's not thinking about it. It's still got to go get grass. It's still got to find water. You know what I mean? It's still got to take care of its its baby. That's, That's it. They stop thinking about the stress. That big lion thing offsets everything. Uh... And then, like, with the sauna, if, if you're like, hey, you sound nuts, you're just doing this for to be a more robust socially and not, you know, or not have anxiety or whatever it is, there's good science behind it. There's all this shit about heat shock proteins and cold shock proteins, all this stuff for your immune system and tendons and ligaments and your brain and gray matter and all kinds of stuff. Dr. Rhonda Patrick, go look her up. I don't know, Dick. I, I didn't know what anxiety was. Until I was in my thirties. This is just something I did to get rid of something that I didn't even have, right? But uh, you know, like even recently, <laughs> I can't remember what what exactly was going on, but I was like stressed out more than normal. And uh, I've been talking to my wife about it. Here, I'll give you some example of how I really do believe, why well, I truly believe, like you have to offset small shit. You got to find you got to find your line i never referred to it that way. That's how I'm going to refer to it right now. you got you got to get chased by a lion to, to to not worry about the small shit. But I was, like, freaked out about some schooling thing. Uh, I had, like, an internship, trying to get an internship with a team. I kind of got sabotaged by guy. But I was well, – that's neither here nor there. But I, some things were bothering me as a recent. And I can remember, like, just not feeling myself. I was feeling off. I'd go to jiu-jitsu. I'd go to Muay Thai. I'd go to wrestling. And I'd feel good. I got to take that back. I'd go to wrestling, and I'd go to jiu-jitsu, and I felt fine when I was there, but I was coming home feeling off, and I wasn't thinking about it. And sometimes I think it's okay to, you know, suffer a little bit, right? And Hicks and Grace talks about that. He, he lost his son, and he was, like, suffering a little bit. So I'm not I'm not anti-suffering, like, hey, you're, you're having a bad day or a bad week. You got to find a – you got to stop it. Like, well, figure it out. You know, it's okay to feel what you're feeling. I believe, you know what I mean? I'm not I'm not exactly the expert. I'm just halfway through a, a, ma- a counseling master's program. That's no big deal, though. Anyways, so I was kind of feeling off for a little while. I'm going to wrestling. I'm going to jiu-jitsu. Okay, these two classes I do well in, right? I wind up on top of everyone, not in a sexual manner, in a martial arts manner. So I'm winding up on top of people. What's not happening if I'm on top? I'm not getting that, I'm not getting chased by the lion. I'm not getting, I'm not in a vulnerable situation. I'm controlling everything. And control is not always good. Like, it's that rigid factor. I was controlling those days. And I remember I went to, I hadn't been to Muay Thai in a couple weeks. You know what I mean? Normally I try to get one class a week, two classes, you know, or one sparring session a week, I should say in a, uh, maybe one class on top of that. I hadn't gone in a couple weeks, I'm just wrestling, I'm just doing jiu-jitsu, I'm being in control. I'm not being in a vulnerable situation. No one's taking my back, da-da-da-da. So one day in class, and, and I'm feeling off. But when I go in there, I feel good, you know what I mean? You work out, whatever, whatever your exercise is, you go for a walk, you, you do some squats, you set up like a madman for a deadlift, I don't know. You start feeling better, right? Even if it was just a short period of time, it's good enough to offset feeling off. And uh, one day we go in there, and uh, our professor, Jay Pages, goes, hey, take their back. So we sit on the ground. Someone takes our back, and he goes, you got three minutes. If he taps you, you go again. If you get out, you go again. He's still on your back. So for three minutes, someone's on my back. In the first three minutes, I got choked three times. And I was freaking out about it. I was freaking out, but it had been a while. I've been controlling my situation in jiu-jitsu. I've been wrestling, taking guys down, and taking side control, taking mount. It's a wrap, but now we're starting here. I'm in a bad situation. I got tapped out three times in three minutes from a choke, shake the guy's hand. When I left that class, I felt alive. I felt alive again, and I can't explain it, and I didn't, couldn't understand it that day, But I'm feeling off for a couple weeks, and right there, that was like the vaccine. Don't cancel me. Not that vaccine. It's a different vaccine. It was the lion, the lion on the hunt. So I felt different. I felt alive again. I woke up the next morning, all back to normal. So uh, two days later, I feel off again. And that's when I started connecting the dots. That's right about when Rogan came out with this episode, and it just got me thinking. I go, that was it. So after I heard the Rogan episode, instead of going to jiu-jitsu class, I went to Muay Thai. I got hit in the face a bunch. If you looked, I had black eyes for like two weeks on these podcasts. I did an MMA class with 4 ounces. I bruised easily. I'm white, Caucasian, four-ounce glove. That's the antidote. But I felt alive. I was getting worked. I was in a more vulnerable situation. So the shit I was dealing with, with, with my school and then with this team internship that someone sabotaged it just didn't bother me anymore. You know why? Because I had that big stressor, and I was able to kind of work my way through, th- through some things. And then I realized, this is what I realized next. I hadn't been doing the cold tub this whole month. The whole month, it's been empty. So, Or, or prior to that, for a whole month. And I, I don't know why I wasn't doing that. I still hit the sauna three times a night, or three times a week at night. But I got rid of the cold tub, and I was real. I realized that, like, hey, I took all these things, these all these uncomfortable things where I work to find comfort, where I work to choose comfort. I, they were disappearing from my life, and I didn't realize it. And and then I didn't realize that the implications they were having until you know start connecting the dots. And by accident, go to a class where I'm getting choked out. So that's why I say I don't know, like, if I do without them, I'm. I'm better at operating with them. Uh, another interesting thing, I like—I always tell the story about the lion and the zebra, <clears throat> excuse my voice, it's not COVID, I already had it, but anyways, so when you talk about lion and zebra, though, when you uh, have a lion chasing a zebra, and don't, I'm not comparing this to animals, I'm not a fucking lion, neither are you, those things tear us apart, just go watch Tiger King, those are and he had a gun and he was still afraid of getting bit. Anyways, a lion chases a zebra. Physiologically, I've talked back to that nervous system. And this is from uh, why zebras don't get ulcers. The same thing's happening. If you pull their blood, it's the same thing. Same uh, stress hormones happening. Same neurotransmitters happening. You know, uh, the arousal ones, the norepinephrine and stuff like that. It's the same. The difference is choice. The Zebra would choose not to be there, and a lion is choosing to be there because it's a means of survival. So to me, it's, I always think about that when I get really uncomfortable in a situation like I'm hiking something ridiculous, I'm in jiu-jitsu, it's ridiculous, the cold tub is ridiculous, the sauna is ridiculous. I'm good at these things that I put myself into where I'm choosing to be there. I, I recognize the choice. You know what I mean? I'm hunting for something. So it it takes away a lot of that stress. So that lion is trying to get food. The zebra would choose not to be there, but we're all the same. So I'm stressed out. But Remember this, I'm choosing this. This is my choice to be here. I'm gonna work through it. So there you have it. Oh, seriously, check this book out. Try some cold exposures, check out the Wim Hof, try his hyperventilation breathing. That's the point where you start growing from things Put yourself in a position that makes you want to go. Put yourself there. Put yourself in a cold shower and breathe through it. Remember your choice. Put yourself in a cold tub. And And before you start hyperventilating, breathe through it or take a jiu-jitsu class. I think it could benefit so many people. I think uh, everyone's searching for a team right now to make sense of things. Uh, Look at it politically, medically. It doesn't matter. Everyone's searching for something to help them make sense of the world. That's why we join clubs. Uh, I think in football, it's unique. I, was, I had a, you know, I had the privilege of being part of some of the greatest clubs and teams in the world, uh, even down to taking bus rides with my crew for 18 hours at Humboldt State. Fuck that place. But th- that's what helped me make sense of the world and I got to be an individual while doing it. A lot of these things out here, these clubs that people are choosing, whether it's politically or medically, it's, it, there's no room for individual. There's no room for in- nuance. They're telling you how to think, but when you're When you find something like jujitsu, there's individual, there's nuance, it helps you make sense of the world, and I think it helps people better socially because you're putting yourself in tough situations. You're getting that gift of mental resilience. You're coming out stronger socially. You're saying, fuck this anxiety. I got you. I have a choice. So there you have it. We have stressors. We have responses, and we want to be able to choose that response. This is episode 11, Hand on the Line podcast. Like this episode. Give me a five-star review on Apple. I appreciate it. Share it. Much love, guys. We'll keep it coming. We'll start getting some O-line stuff on here, some O-line hosts. We're going to have a big Duke 50 on here. And uh, I don't think there's anyone more knowledgeable of the personnel and skills and stuff like that in the NFL than Big Duke. We're going to keep rolling. Uh, You know, seek that discomfort. Don't run, baby. We're, We're all in this thing together, right? All right. Until next week, I appreciate your guys' support.